We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. We've got roster cutdowns, preseason, week three of the preseason, winners and losers. Are we worried about the Pats? Are we worried about Najee Harris? That and a whole lot more on the Rotowire Fantasy Football Podcast. Hey everybody, welcome to the Rotowire Fantasy Football Podcast. Jeff Erickson here, Nick Whalen there. Nick, long time no talk and see. I mean, I, we're seeing a lot of each other these days, and that's a good thing. Uh, a lot of gut, a lot of stuff going on in the NFL right now. It's a big, big draft weekend that we just had. Roster cuts are coming. Trades might be coming. Uh, we'll see. Uh, I'm hoping for trades. I like chaos. You know, more things that can happen. You know, and most chaos I like. I want to just, uh, you know, I want to be clarifying that one there just for a second. But uh, anyways, um, what's going on for you in the last hour? Man, so we did, we did the XM show this morning. I had about an hour break, uh, you know, put in, spent most of that time prepping for this. But I, I did get out and uh, run the edger uh, through my, my, my lawn. Uh, things nice. were getting a little overgrown. We were, you know, we were out of town half of last week. Uh, the yard kind of got away from me. We got a bunch of rain in Wisconsin these last few days. So cleaned up the yard a little bit. Uh, we're, we're in good shape here, but like you said, a ton to get to today. I mean, we got, we got cuts coming in. We got, you know, Alexander Madison potentially being traded. Um, mm-hmm. you know, we, we're still waiting on, on some quarterbacks who could move around. Um, but yeah, a, a lot, a lot going on. And what are we now? Like 10 days away from the start yep. of the regular season. Yep. September 8th. Not too far, not too far indeed. Um, well, let's start off, uh, Negative news, unfortunately, first, and that's Brian Robinson. We got to address it, so let's just get it out there. Um, got shot yesterday in a potential carjacking. He's going to get – he had surgery. He's going to get released from the hospital maybe as early as today. Um, there's some positive talk that he might be able to play this season. Has not been placed on the uh, non-football injury list. I, I don't think we should speculate about how long he's going to be out because we just don't know. But nonetheless, drafts don't stop. You know. Yeah. So what are you doing with this information? Yeah, well, I, I have a draft in a few hours for for XM, a host league, um, you know, one of, one of my bigger leagues this year, and it's going to be really interesting. He's still, I, I mean, I, I still think he's probably going to get drafted at some point. I, I right. mean, obviously not nearly uh, at his his current ADP. He was hovering around pick 115, 120. But I, I just feel like there was enough there was enough positivity and enough people who would have been more than happy to continue driving up his price uh, prior to this incident that I, I do think – He's still going to end up on rosters. Um, mm-hmm. you know, I, I wouldn't mind taking him with one of my final picks. You know, we'll, we'll see. You know how this how the situation turns out. Like, you know, there's just no there, there's very very little precedent, I guess I should say, for an injury like this. You know, if, if somebody tweaks a hamstring, we can say, all right, there's X number of players who suffered the same injury. Here's how much time they missed on average. There's just no playbook for something like this. So, right, you know, it it could be. It could be six weeks, maybe. Maybe that's the best case. Or he might not play at all the entire season. So it's it's really, really difficult to know. Uh, but, I mean, Brian Robinson himself already posted uh, on Instagram this morning. He said surgery went well, you know, thanking everybody for the prayers. Uh, so, you know, for a situation that this time yesterday sounded horrible, it, it, it does seem like, you know, he, he's really avoided uh, what could have been a, a much more severe uh, injury resulting from that carjacking and, and that shooting. So mostly positive news, all things considered. But an impossible situation for fantasy. I mean, there's just, there's, like I said, almost no precedent for something like this. Oh, I agreed. And the thing is, 
it, the, the drum beat had continued on. It was a good weekend for him. It was pretty clear he was going to be the lead back for the uh, commanders. Now we're back into Gibson versus McKissick and, you know, shrug. Maybe they trade for Alexander Madison. We'll see. I think their behavior uh, over the next couple of days will probably illustrate their level of concern mm-hmm. and when we can expect to see Robinson back. And you're looking at Robinson uh, in, in the last week in the NFFC. Uh, he, he had gotten to the point where his, he was in the top 100 now. It wasn't quite Damian uh, Pierce sort of helium levels here, but pretty high. 88 was his highest. So talking about guy, yeah, but average is about 114. Mm-hmm. Players he was going around were like Melvin Gordon, Michael Carter, you know, not a bad neighborhood. Guys that you're absolutely drafting in every single mm-hmm. league, maybe not starting in week one. Uh, Gibson, on the other hand, you know, he was still getting, you know, he had a higher draft position, 85. Uh, and this is just in the last week range of 33 to 139, despite all the negative news. Got to imagine he goes back up a little bit, and at least you can feel comfortable using Gibson in week one. Yeah, you would think so. You would think so. And, you know, I'm, I'm looking in just drafts that that have taken place, um, you know, yesterday and today. So, you know, you would assume that some of those uh, have, have factored in this latest news. Um, you know, he, he was averaging about pick 73, uh, Antonio mm-hmm. Gibson, that is. So uh, already a little bit uh, of a slight rise as bin pick was, was 33. I'm not sure what type of league that was, but – um, yeah, I, I would be surprised if Washington ends up being a team that would trade for someone like Alexander Madison, because, you know, even though they seem to have soured on Gibson during the preseason, he's still a, a, a decent option. And, and if the assumption is that Robinson could come back at some point during the season, he could probably get by with the, the Gibson and McKissick combo. Now, if the McKissick groin injury, you know, that kept him out of their latest preseason game, if that turns into something that that's maybe impacting him to begin the regular season, all of a sudden, then you're a team that that is potentially in need of some running back depth. But are there any other teams when you talk about Alexander Madison, you know, potentially hitting the market here? Is there another landing spot that really jumps out for you? I saw speculation about the Saints, perhaps, mm. on Twitter. And, you know, if it's on Twitter, it must be true. Uh, but, you know, not a bad fit as like a, like maybe if they don't love Mark Ingram, uh, if they want it, you know, a counterbalance to, to, to Camara, but I I don't really see it. I mean, Ingram had two touchdowns in the preseason game on Thursday. Seemed like they like him just fine. Um, I mean, there, there's always, you know, maybe the Raiders, uh, if they, they're less enchanted with, uh, Josh Jacobs, although they drafted Zamir white. So you would think that that really wouldn't be in play. The funny thing is, you know, running back trades, you don't see a whole lot of them. You don't see too many of them unless there's like a, 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 just a rash of injuries on a team that expects to win no less because, Usually the teams that are retooling, rebuilding, you can find there, there's a load of guys that would love to play in the NFL that have a, you know, their 99th percentile in talent. It's just, it's a hard position to break into. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The Saints is an interesting one. I, I, I do like that. Uh, you know, Mark Ingram, you know, we, t- we talked about over the weekend at, at length on the XM show, I think he turns 33 um, at, at the end of the year. So obviously a, a need there. I think that's probably the number one team. That would make sense. Uh, although, you know, if you're talking about Madison's value, he's basically moving from one situation in Minnesota to a very similar one in New Orleans, where he'd be the, the clear backup to Alvin Kamara. But, um, you know, still a chance that Kamara misses some time uh, with that pending legal case. So, so maybe that makes him a little more intriguing. Uh, I saw people throw out like the Chargers, you know, could, could be a potential landing spot. I mean, they have a few guys behind Austin Eckler uh, that they seem to like to varying degrees, but could use some depth. Um, you know, the Rams, uh, the, the Eagles are another team. Uh, but but to me, I think the Saints. If if you really had to put your put your money on one landing spot, I think I think you're, that's a good call, Jeff. That that's one that makes a lot of sense. Uh, yeah. How about the Ravens? Was another one. You know, if Gus Edwards yeah, isn't ready to start the season, I could see that happening. And you got some concerns about Dobbins. Mm-hmm. Maybe the Rams. Uh, yeah. Cam Akers not having you know not great news there. Maybe the Steelers. Some news on Najee Harris. We're about to talk about too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I could see that. I mean, a team like the Giants. Maybe it's like you have you have one injury prone running back at Barkley and then another injury prone guy in Matt Breida backing him up, but you can make a justification there. Um, you know, we, we touched on the Pittsburgh Steelers this morning as a team that is very, very reliant on one back. That was the case last year, at least in Najee Harris and a back who we know now is, is recovering from a Liz Frank sprain uh, did happen, you know, a month ago, but uh, still something that's going to be in the back of your mind. And, you know, they have, they have Benny Snell as their top backup and, Benny Snell is like the he's like the AFC version of Chuba Hubbard. I feel like where he I don't he think it's his top backup, by the way. But go ahead. Sorry. 
What'd you say? I don't think that's his top. Their, I don't think that's their top guy. You think they go McFarland over Snell? I think it's Jalen Warren. Uh, Ooh, at least that's okay. the. We may, we that's may need to adjust our depth charts over at, at Rotowire, but that's I mean, what they, I'm they hearing a, from Pittsburgh peeps. They have a slew of options there, uh, none of whom are, are that proven. And and you know maybe Warren is the guy undrafted out of Oklahoma State. Um, mm-hmm. And yeah, like you said, it, it's been it's been all positive with him over the last week or so. But you would you would think at least that if they are looking to shore that position up at all, that that Madison would be a little more of a known commodity. Uh, than Snell, McFarland, or Warren. If you're watching live, jump in on the comments. Tell me where you guys think the ideal landing spot is for Alexander Madison. I just put it out on Twitter, too. Uh, and obviously, you know, the Commanders are an obvious choice. The Rams, uh, Hef on uh, Twitter suggests the Rams. I put it out on Twitter, too. Uh, so let, let us jump there. And sorry to interrupt you on that, but uh, Warren no, is the guy that uh, when we were talking uh, you know, earlier uh, discussing uh, Dale Lawley uh, was a uh, writer for uh, – DK Sports, DK, uh, it's a former uh, beat writer for uh, a Pittsburgh, uh, one of the Pittsburgh media sources. Now he's out on his own. Uh, uh, I always, Dehan Kovacevic, uh, I believe is, his name is DK PGH Sports. Uh, Dale covers it for them. He's one of their hosts and he, he's a good, he's a good, good source. You should follow him on Twitter, uh, Pittsburgh Steelers Radio Network as well. So he, he's the one suggested Jalen Warren to me. Uh, so heads up on that one there. Let's talk Steelers. Uh, Najee Harris, um, he played yesterday. That's the good news. Okay. When he missed time early in camp after getting stepped on, uh, turns out he actually had a list Frank injury. Uh, and he's, he had missed a lot of training camp. This was four weeks ago when the injury happened. He did play yesterday. He said he was rusty getting back. So theoretically, he's healthy now and should be getting a clean bill. I think there's reason to worry. Uh, I I w- had I known about this four weeks ago, I would have lowered him in my rankings a lot sooner. I'm, I'm, he's out of the first round for me. Uh, I mean, you hear Liz Frank, and I'm, I'm not going to tell you not to worry. That's for sure. Although the fact that they threw him out there in a meaningless third preseason game a week and a half before the season starts, like to me, that's a pretty major positive indication. And I, I think he only got one series. I mean, he had like 10 yards on a few carries, so it was not. It's not like he had this explosive game. But mm-hmm. to me, if there was still any lingering concern whatsoever they would not throw him out there. Um, now, this is a team that basically played all of its starters and had Deontay Johnson and TJ Watt get hurt in that game. Um, so, so maybe it was just kind of a, you know, all hands on deck uh, situation for, for Mike Tomlin. But that would lead me to believe that he's at least, you know, got to be near the end of his recovery if they felt comfortable tossing him out there. But yeah. nonetheless, I mean, there, there's so many good running backs at the top. You know, it, you know Taylor and McCaffrey are, are kind of their own tier. And then there's that Eckler, Harris, Cook, Henry, Mixon, group uh, some people would throw Saquon in there some people would throw Swift and Kamara in there if you want to that's fine but you're, you're looking you're always looking for ways to, to kind of break the tie and justify one right. over the other and it's so close to me Eckler Harris Cook Henry especially and you could probably throw Mixon in there that if you need a reason to break the tie you know maybe this is it if, if you want to find something to push you toward Dalvin Cook over Najee Harris this is as good a reason as any yeah uh that that is um I I think so um yeah, and I, I'm I'm reading a little bit more on that. You know, it's funny because it wasn't just that Harris was playing. Deontay Johnson, who landed on his shoulder, uh, T.J. Watt was playing. Of course, the quarterback was playing. Basically, everyone was playing. And Mike Tomlin likes to use his starters. In fact, his quote, uh, why asked why are so many of his starters uh, playing, he goes, if you're going to box, you need to spar. And we've got a boxing match September 11th, so this is our last chance to spar. That's such a that's a very Tomlin-like that's, comment. I love it. That's like a, a computer-generated Mike Tomlin quote. If you could, you could just <laughs> yeah. like throw it all into an algorithm and say, "What would Mike Tomlin say here?" That's exactly what it is. But he's right, and they they have a pretty big-time boxing match against the defending AFC champions in Week One. So there's there's not a lot of room here. Uh, not not a nice runway for the Pittsburgh Steelers, who who obviously want to continue their winning ways. They're not really looking to rebuild this year with the way that this roster is constructed, virtually everywhere but quarterback. And yeah, I mean, they don't, they don't want to get punched in the mouth at, at Cincinnati in week one. And, you know, they're home for the Patriots in week two, uh, really no easy games uh, early on. You know, you, yeah. you get the Browns in week three. We'll see what they look like. I guess the Jets in week four, you'd feel good about that one. But yeah, opening up against the Bengals. I mean, that, th- this game is going to tell us a lot, I think, about both teams, but especially Pittsburgh. It's a super sneaky trap game, at, speaking as a Bengals fan, um, because yeah. we did hit them in the mouth last year. Um, ran repeatedly all over them in the first half and then hit some big plays to Higgins in that game, and it was over by halftime. A couple of plays went their way that were a little fluky. One on an interception that got called back, uh, another on a touchdown that thought it was going to be a callback and didn't. But regardless, Tomlin's never had a losing season. I'm loath to kind of criticize him too much for this. 
and question him too much. I mean, the dude knows how to get his team ready for a season, knows how to navigate tricky personalities. We may debate some like, you know, down and distance calls, some kicks, some uh, whether to go for it or not sort of calls. So be it. The fact is, I mean, guy knows his job. He, 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 it, to me, it's just crazy. There's only been three head coaches in my lifetime in, uh, in Pittsburgh. Uh, mm-hmm. Two. Just two, no, three, three. I had it right the first time. Noel, uh, Cower, and now Tomlin. Um, and that's a long lifetime. Uh, so I, I'm impressed. Uh, I'm impressed with what he, you know, they've done over the years. They needed me to be impressed, I'm sure. But uh, regardless, uh, all that said, Najee Harris is out of the first round for me. Currently, current ADP in the last week is seven. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm pushing Cook over him for sure. Okay. I'm pushing Diggs over him for sure. Adams over him. Mixon over him. Okay. I think that's Henry, fair. who I've been very scared of, uh, and Adams, Adams, I think too. If I didn't say Adams already, and then you can make a debate on you know that. that so it's like Barkley for me is like, and Barkley and Swift is where the rubber hits the road. That's where it's tricky. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you on all that, and I would I would still take Harris over Barkley, uh, but there's just too much concern for me uh, with injuries with Saquon, and I, I also just don't think that's going to be a, a fantastic offense in New York. So. Yeah, I mean, the guy who I think realistically is getting pushed up here is Mixon, right? You know, he's kind of yep. right on the edge. His ADP is sitting at 13 in NFFC over the last week. So I, I think if you're removing Najee Harris, who's who's going as like the seventh highest drafted player, you know, that then Cook gets pushed up, Henry gets pushed up, Diggs gets pushed up, Adam gets pushed up, and then that makes Joe Mixon probably that number 12 guy. For some people, it's Barkley. For some people, it might be Swift. Uh, you know, CeeDee Lamb is still hanging around that zone as well, but um, yeah, I, I mean, if Harris is on the board at like the 14th pick, I will absolutely take him there with confidence. All right. All right. Very good. It is cut down day tomorrow in the NFL. Big cut downs coming. Or is it Thursday? It's this week. I think it's I think it's actually Thursday now that I think about it. Uh, but it is, you know, some teams are making some cuts today. Uh, others are waiting till later uh, during the week. But we're going to talk about our top cut down or top cut prospects, maybe trade prospects, guys that aren't going to make their team's initial roster. Before we do that, though, quick note from one of our sponsors, our friends at Dynasty Owner. Do you love fantasy sports? Are you ready for a new challenge this year? Dynasty Owner is the new way to play fantasy football with real NFL salaries, adding the strategy of running an actual franchise. Dynasty Owner provides a unique and challenging experience that will test your skills as an owner and general manager. You will have complete control over your team's future. You can build through the draft, make trades, sign free agents, and manage your team's salary cap. Can you create a Dynasty of Champions? Sign up now at DynastyOwner.com and use promo code ROTO5. That's R-O-T-O-5 to receive $5 off any new team. All right. So Nick and I talked about like we, uh, about these doing some cutdown candidates. Alan uh, Soslowski, who does a lot of our video, titled it Top 5 Cutdown Candidates. I don't know if I made you rank them, though, Nick. So I'm kind of throwing this at you. Uh Five guys that we think are cut down candidates. I'll start um, uh, just to kind of get the ball rolling here. And that I wanted to start off with Terrace Marshall of the Carolina Panthers. I've seen it on a couple of lists now that, you know, they're tired of him being hurt. He's in year two, highly touted receiver out of LSU. Uh, they're, they're, Matt Rule's just getting frustrated with them. There's a possibility he could get cut. I saw. Uh, Carolina writer, I think for the athletic did not have him on their projected 53 man roster. I'm shocked. I'm actually drafting Terrace Marshall in a lot of places yeah. this year. Uh, I, I, I'm frankly, I'm stunned. I think he gets snapped up in a second if he does get cut. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, he was drafted two years ago. He had 23 receiving touchdowns in his final two years at LSU. And I, I think obviously a lot of that is just being on a, a loaded team that had Joe Burrow at quarterback for one of those years. But yeah, it kind of strangely, quick uh, decision to move on if that's what ultimately happens with the Carolina Panthers who are, are not exactly just like overflowing with talent at receiver. Right. I mean, it, it's not like Terrace Marshall couldn't just be your third or fourth guy um, given the level of investment there. You're, you're not going to recoup a second or even a third or fourth round pick most likely if you do trade him. Um, and if you cut him, obviously you're not getting anything. So, um, you know, maybe there's something going on behind the scenes as far as what would lead to that decision so quickly uh, for a guy who, you know, is kind of part of this new regime uh, but it, it's really surprising. You know, a lot of the other quote unquote bigger name guys who could end up being cut, you can kind of see the writing on the wall. You can see why it right. makes sense. But with Marshall, it, it just felt like, yeah, he had a little bit of a disappointing rookie year, um, you know, played in 13 games, only had 17 catches, but 
you know, you kind of chalk it up to, well, he's adjusting the quarterback position was a disaster. The coach, you know, maybe didn't fit in as well as we thought, um, you know, as recently as two or three weeks ago, not, not somebody that I ever considered like wouldn't be on this roster. Yeah, exactly. Um, so, you know, it's something to, uh, you know, you know, see where he lands. If he does get cut, I'm just, I, I, my mind's blown by this one here. I just, I don't see it as like a really good decision by them especially because I think their receiver room is, you know, after DJ Moore, there's a lot of question marks. Robbie Anderson's been banged up a lot right. uh, this year too. I don't really see him being any, um, any more reliable. I mean, there's a lot. Of, I mean, okay. I'm dude sitting in a chair in California, you know, not at camp, not watching these players, not a coach, not a trained eye. So with all those caveats on mine, the idea of Terrace Marshall to me is still very interesting. Yeah, and I think if he does get cut, that'll be borne out on the waiver wire because there will be a ton of teams, I think, looking to bring in a guy who had that kind of college production, uh, that kind of pedigree coming out of the draft. And, you know, who who wouldn't be willing to look at this Carolina team last year and say, all right, we'll give this guy the benefit of the doubt, you know, in our mm-hmm. system, with our infrastructure, he'll be better. Uh, yeah, not a guy you think would be out of the league uh, anytime soon. So if he does end up getting cut, I think there'll be a lot of interest. Uh, Denzel Mims. Is certainly on the list for me. Uh, yeah. we're, we're yet to see what's going to happen with him. Really weird situation where he, you know, seemingly has like no leverage, requests a trade earlier in the week, and then balls out for 102 yards and a yeah. touchdown in the preseason finale on Sunday. So, like, on one hand, is he he's like maybe proving why he should remain on the roster, and then on the other hand, he's also driving up his trade value potentially for the Jets. So hard to say if he really helped or hurt himself if he's trying to get out in New York this past weekend. So, and the Jets have been pretty quiet about this too. Mm-hmm. I almost wonder, did they feature him? You know, did, were they trying to showcase him a little bit? Or maybe it was a squeaky wheel gets the grease. It's like, okay, you want to prove it? Here you go. Let's get some targets. Now, the problem is there's four guys ahead of him. Um, and the, maybe he could get past Braxton Berrios at some point, but he's not going to get past uh, Davis. He's not going to get past uh, Garrett Wilson. He's not going to get past uh, Moss. So, I mean, all right. I say Moss. Uh, looking at Moss on the screen, that's why I said that there. Uh, Eli Moore is who I meant right. to say. Uh, he's not getting past any of those guys. Off. Yeah. No, I, I agree. I agree. Barrios is the guy you, you kind of target, but I, I think you get the impression that Mims probably doesn't see himself as the fourth receiver at best, right? So right. I, I think he you know, is, is somebody that uh, when you're when you're drafted in round two, you you have expectations. You you don't think that you're going to be just like you know hanging on for a roster spot on what's going to be a pretty bad team. Um, and you know, anywhere he would land would probably be a better quarterback situation right. for him. So I, th- I think if you're, if you're his representation, that's probably part of the thought process. It's like, yeah, you, you would have loved for things to work out with the team that drafted you, but virtually anywhere that you land via trade, you're going to be, uh, on paper, at least in a better situation, both in terms of depth chart, most likely. And then almost certainly in terms of quarterback. Yep. Uh, another place is uh, Baltimore, where I'm going to be watching too. Uh, Clipboard Jesus suggests uh, Boykin is, is maybe a possibility there as uh, someone who could be cut. Uh, you know, looking at you know the, the Ravens. I mean, it's a whole lot of unproven guys behind Rashad Bateman, who's not exactly proven to begin with. There, uh, you got Duvernay, you got Prosh, you got Tylen Wallace, Demarcus Robinson. He 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 exists. He lives, uh, and, and the names get less familiar from there. That doesn't mean they can't play. Doesn't mean that one of them won't emerge, but we don't know about a whole lot about them. Um, And that could be a thing where teams are looking to go out and get another player there. Yeah. I I think, you know, the Ravens are are one of those teams that you, you definitely trust in what they're doing just because they've drafted and developed so well uh, that you maybe, you maybe panic a little bit less about what that receiver group looks like on paper uh, because they either think that it's better than it looks, or you know that they're one of those teams that's going to be aggressive uh, in bringing someone else in if, if they have somebody in mind. But yeah, I mean, on paper, this is, I think, pretty easily a bottom five receiver group if we're not counting the tight end uh, in the league. And yeah, I mean, I, I, I think their team, you know, you talk about potential landing spot for someone like a Denzel Mims. Um, I, I think that would make a lot of sense. You know, they're, they're a perfect team that yeah. can offer, they can offer an appealing situation, a winning situation, uh, but they can also offer opportunity and, and not many good teams can say that. Terrace Marshall or Denzel Mims to the Ravens would be kind of interesting. I, I, you would have, you would catch my eye. Uh, Our question that we're posting, by the way, and everybody who's watching can chime in. And I've seen it on Twitter too. What's an ideal landing spot for Alexander Madison? Uh, And yeah. uh, And I was wrong about Boykin. He's actually on the Steelers. Uh, That was dumb of me, but I I just made me think about the Ravens. So sorry about that. Uh, 
think you appreciate you uh, before Jesus. Uh, ideal landing spot for Madison. Bob Cramutola says that's billionaire Bob for those of you in fancy baseball circles. Eagles. He's a big Eagles fan. He would like him. Eagles are. We talked about that. That that could be a team where he could land. Uh, w69 says Panthers, Giants or Rams. Andy says Washington. Uh, another fil- vote for Philly on, on Twitter. Miami. Now, Miami has like 16 backs in, in camp right now. They have to do some cuts of their own. Um, so that one, that's kind of interesting because I was going to speculate on some of the Miami running backs and where they land, uh, if anywhere. Miles Gaskin. See, I got Boykin. Yeah. Boykin, Gaskin, all these guys there. You know, a lot of kins. Uh, but, uh, you know, they did. They brought in all these guys to make sure they didn't have to use the same running backs from last year. Yeah, they, they went with a quantity over quality approach, uh, it appears, uh, with the running back room. And I, there's a lot to like, I think, about Chase Edmonds. But beyond that, it's just a lot of guys who you just are like, yeah, all right, I guess he's signed like a number two, number three. Uh, and yeah, like you said, they'll have to pare down that list uh, at some point. But it's it's just pretty pretty tough to get excited about really any of those guys behind Chase Edmonds. Um, yeah. you know, Michelle, Gaskin, Mostert, I mean, even Savan Ahmed, uh, excuse me, is, is, is in this uh, backfield. Yeah, I don't know, man. It's it, I think we you know we we kind of keep falling into Chase Edmonds and drafts just because he's kind of hanging around there. But beyond that, I, I don't have a ton of interest in, in this Miami backfield. To me, it's just it all the talk is is about that receiving core with with Hill and Waddle um, and even Gasecki. And you know, to me, that's a lot more interesting than trying to uh, you know throw darts at at who's going to end up being this backup running back. Yeah, especially the backup because I am interested in Chase Edmonds. I'm, yeah. I've got a little interest in Raheem Mostert. He still has speed. He just you know he gets hurt all the time. That's mm-hmm. the thing about him. But uh, I th- I've been getting Mostert in the end game a lot. Yeah, he's one of those guys. Yeah, when he's healthy, I mean, just su- like noticeably faster than ninety five percent of the other players uh, in right. the league. So I, I I do agree with you on that. I mean, with him, it's just he's played nine games in the last two years. You know, he played literally four snaps last season. And that was it. So, I mean, he's, right. he's one of the most fragile players at the position in the entire league. But, but of course, yeah, when he's, when he's been healthy, I mean, he's been really, really impressive. Just hasn't really uh, been able to string it together since that 2019 season in San Francisco. Uh, we, we've seen the Jaguars cut Laquan Treadwell, by the way. Uh, not a massive surprise, but somebody who last year was like their number one. I was just going to say, leading receiver towards the end of the year last year. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, that, I mean, that, that says more about where that team was uh, at, at mm-hmm. this point, but, um, yeah, he's, you know, he's, uh, off this roster already. I, I actually read some speculation this morning and I don't think it's going to happen, but a couple Jags writers threw out there that LaVisca Chenault was, was kind of going to be a, a low key cut candidate just because it feels like he's been pushed down the pecking order. Uh, oh, yeah. you know, the, the addition of ETN kind of takes out that like gadgety, you know, use him out of the backfield idea. James Robinson's out, obviously ahead of schedule. Um, and then he, you know, the other thing that they pointed out is he doesn't really play special teams. So is it worth keeping this guy on if he's going to end up being like your fifth receiver? Tell you how low Chenault stock is going and how maybe how low players in my dynasty league are. I've told you about my dynasty league before, mm-hmm. uh, during our draft last week, I was getting offers 2000, you know, 2023 fourth round pick for LaVisca Chenault. You can have them basically for free. No, the spot has value. I, I had a finite number of spots. I didn't want him. I mean, you know, if, if they're they're offering up like if it's too good to be true, it's too good to be true. I mean, and it's it wasn't even too good to be true. It was too it was just not true. I just don't want him. Yeah, I mean, he's one of those guys who you know, you always kind of felt like it was going to be a boom or bust just based on the type of player he was at Colorado. But you know, he comes in as a rookie and looked pretty good on a terrible Jags team. You know, I mean, got in the end zone five times. Okay, started using him out of the backfield. He you know he had almost I think. Uh, what 18 rushes, which for a receiver, not terrible. Um, and then it all, it all kind of unraveled last year and, you know, the yardage actually ended up being okay, but um, it, it just felt like by the end of the year, he was on his way to being phased out. And then all the moves that they made at receiver this off season, I think hammered that home. So uh, even if he remains on the roster, which looks likely, I, I think the days of Chenault kind of being this fantasy darling are, are most likely over. Um, what do you think about Darius Slate with, with the New York giants? Uh, yeah. You know, somebody who, We'll, we'll see if he ends up getting cut. Seems more likely maybe that he could be traded, but uh, Giants appear ready to move on. I mean, this is a guy that, what, two years ago had 877 yards and three touchdowns and then kind of broke out as a rookie in 2019. Eight touchdowns, almost 800 yards that year, uh, former fifth rounder out of Auburn. Yeah, I, I I think he's back to being valued at where his draft pedigree was. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's fair. And, you know, I mean, the Giants – 
on paper, like they're not the type of team that you think would be trying to trade away, like proven pretty productive receivers. But I mean, as of right now, Darius Slayton is slotting in as their fifth or sixth guy. Yep. Yep. Um, and, and yeah, fifth or sixth guy in a giants passing game. Be still my beating heart. Uh, I think they're my fade in week one in survivor. I think I'm going Tennessee. We'll see about that. I haven't, I haven't officially decided yet, but that that's the lean I'm going. I'm just that down on the giants passing game. It's always dangerous. New head coach. I just I don't think Daniel Jones is going to be able to do, carry the part. Wandale Robinson's interesting to me, uh, but Kyrie Tony's hurt. Galladay is like getting dunked on regularly on Twitter. Whether it's missing a block or dropping a pass, mm-hmm. it's not good. Shepard's been banged up; he might not be ready to go. That might be the reason why Slayton keeps a job, by the way. Uh, but it's almost like they like like CJ Board or Alex Backman better or something like that. So we'll see. Um, we'll see what happens. Richie James, for that matter, too. If you want to go deep on the Giants. Uh, really? depth chart there uh, a couple more cut candidates before we move on i think we we haven't talked about the obvious one and that's jimmy g uh and i say uh, uh, cut because i don't think they're going to be able to trade him there was a there was a note going around today a rumor going around today that seattle called to inquire about jimmy g and the giant and the niners didn't want to trade him in division mm-hmm. i'm sorry if you have a chance to trade jimmy g instead of just cutting him and eating the contract and get something for him you do that I agree with you, uh, especially because I think Seattle, you know, while while in division and still not, it's not a complete clean out in Seattle. I, I don't mm-hmm. think if you're the 49ers, you view Seattle as like a direct threat. You know, it'd be one thing if like we found out that Matthew Stafford needs elbow surgery and then you're trading Garoppolo to the Rams like that. You know, that's a that's a move that could potentially like keep the Rams on your level. But I think even with Jimmy G, you're, you're not that scared of Seattle. I mean, one thing I've heard in this realm is Seattle could very well be the landing spot, but the 49ers want to wait until literally the last possible second because they play the 49 or they play the Seahawks in week two and yeah. they want, they want Jimmy G Jimmy G in that situation to be as ill-prepared as possible to face them on September 18th. Not, not only that, but to give, give him less time to transfer over anything that exactly. the Niners are doing. I mean, absolutely. Um, and that might be one of the reasons why Seattle's interested in him. Oh, actually you and I saw a lot of drew lock on uh, in the preseason game on Thursday and, Suffice to say, no, that was that was Friday. Excuse me, on Friday. Mm-hmm. Suffice to say, yeah, he hasn't changed at all. One really nice pass, maybe two really nice passes, but two yep. mind-blowingly bad interceptions too. It was, yeah. I mean, he finished the game with three picks. It was the the full-on Drew Lock experience, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, it was you could you could see you could see the frustration in Pete Carroll after the game. Um, you know, when Geno Smith had already been named the starter, but you know, you, it was basically a you see why this is why. All right. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I mean, Drew Locke, like you said, a couple really nice throws, pushing the ball downfield. He's never scared to do that, but it's just too many mistakes. Right. And, and I, I think for a coach like Pete Carroll, that's just not, that's not the type of guy that he wants right now. And I, I think he was kind of looking for any excuse to name Geno Smith, the starter as soon as he could. And right. it's not like Geno Smith blew everybody out of the water by any means, but uh, you know, Drew Locke, that's just who he is. Right. I mean, he's going to have, he's going to have wild plays. And then for every wild play, there's going to be one or two, you know, really bad turnovers. And, you know, Seattle just doesn't really – they're not that type of team that, that can afford those type of mistakes. I think if they think that they can – if they think they can win games, the, the path to doing it is just consistently okay quarterback play. You know, you can't have a guy who is, is just, you know, passing you out of games. And say what you will about Geno Smith, but he can at least manage you to, to put you in positions to win, whereas Drew Locke can take you out of position to win. Yeah, that's right. That's absolutely right. Um, one last candidate, Ronald Jones. Played the first half, first quarter in Thursday's preseason game against the uh, Packers. You know, uh, Edwards Lair got one one snap. He got called back on a holding penalty. Two snaps, excuse me. Uh, Jones was next before Pacheco, uh, but Pacheco played before him in the in the first two preseason games. There was some buzz about Ronald Jones maybe getting cut. Uh, you know, Jones actually played okay in this one. It's possible that he keeps that job, but if he does get cut. I mean, who do you prefer, Rojo or Alexander Madison from a real-life standpoint? Man, I, I think I would pr- prefer Alexander Madison. I mean, mm-hmm. we've seen him do it in – we've seen him do it in fill-in duties before. Um, I, I think with him, there's at least a little more belief that there, there could be some untapped potential there. You know, it's like, hey, what if he had that opportunity? I mean, Ronald Jones has never been in, like, ideal situations himself, but it feels like he's had more of a chance uh, to prove himself for an extended period than Madison has, and – yeah, you look at like the three games where Madison was was the featured back last year. He went for 26, uh, 26 attempts for 112 yards against Seattle, 25 attempts for 113 yards against Detroit, 
22 attempts for 90 yards against Detroit uh, yep. later in the season. So, I mean, he's, he's put really good tape out there. He had a, he had a hundred yard game the previous year when he was filling in for Dalvin cook. Right. Um, so I, I, if I had to choose between those two, if I'm a team in the market uh, for a potential second running back, I, I would prefer Madison for sure. Yep. I agree. Plus, you know, we know he doesn't, we, we don't know for sure that he has oven mitts for hands like Rojo does. Yes, exactly. He, maybe he does, but he needs to prove that he has oven mitts for hands. Yes, exactly. Exactly. Right. Uh, I will say common theme of those was against Detroit against Detroit. So yep. want to, you know, uh, I'm not saying that you're wrong at all, but at the same time, it just, I want to, you know, clarify that maybe, you know, there's some verdict still left on him too. Uh, one other note before we uh, uh, move off this topic, uh, I expect Dallas to trade for an offensive lineman. Um, I think they got to with uh, Tyron Smith out. I think it's just too big of a deal. I've heard a uh, win from New England. Alex Leatherwood from the Raiders is maybe two possibilities. Although, I mean, there's a reason why they're possibilities. They're not good. They haven't been good in their own right there. Yeah, the other one that I've heard is uh, Walker Little, uh, the, the last year's second-round pick of the Jacksonville Jaguars, who ah. has been fine. I mean, I, I feel like I haven't heard any bad things about him, but uh, they have Jawan Taylor installed at right tackle. They have Cam Robinson installed at left tackle. So – I think the Jags like Walker Little, but he's just he doesn't really fit into their plans right now. I mean, it's a, mm-hmm. a great guy to have as your your third tackle if somebody goes down. But I think at the right price, they'd be willing to give him up. Yeah, and uh, that's the whole key is you know they're they're cashing in on a per- perceived market. I think that's it more than the knock against the player. So I think you're right about that. Uh, let's move on. Uh, we'll talk about preseason winners and losers. But first, a quick note from our friends on the Blue Wire Network. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality. All right. All of our podcasts are on the Blue Wire Network. Thank you for uh, letting us insert their ad right there. Uh, let's talk about preseason winners and losers from this weekend. Uh, we, I feel like we talked Damian Pierce until we're blue in the face, but let's do it one more time uh, because why not? I mean, he is the biggest winner of the preseason, I think. And if, if, not, if it's not him, it's George Pickens. But those are the two guys, I think, that have climbed the most since the start of the preseason. 
Yeah, I think it, I think it's Damian Pierce. It is. I mean, Pickens. We, we it felt like day one of training camp is when his ascend uh, ascendance really began. But with Pierce, it's it's been really the last like two weeks. He's just shot up draft boards, and uh, you know we'll we'll see how high he continues to climb. I mean, he won't have any more preseason games uh, right. to to continue boosting that stock. But uh, I mean, already going inside the top forty in some NFFC drafts over the last week. I, I don't know that that necessarily sustains. I mean, his average pick is hanging around. Uh, 65 to 70 but I mean for a guy who was almost a non-consideration a few weeks ago I mean it's 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 notable and and you know we we've kind of discussed like where does he fit in on that tier of running backs he's being drafted around and you know Pierce versus J.K. Dobbins Pierce versus Eli Mitchell Pierce versus Josh Jacobs Clyde Edwards-Alaire like these are all legitimate discussions at this point I mean in, in the last week he's going almost a full round ahead of Chase Edmonds yeah and you got to remember too, draft around doesn't always correlate to a value. It's just a, getting an op, running back's a position opportunity. He's taken it. Uh, saw the comparison to Arian Foster 2.0. Yeah. I mean, Arian Foster didn't have any draft pedigree. Uh, he got hurt a lot in college, mm-hmm. you know, playing the sec. There's a common thread there between he and uh, Pierce, but uh, you know, gets that chance and does a lot with it there. It's a, it's a, a position of opportunity. It's a position, uh, position of youth. I think that's the other thing. Uh you step in over Marlon Mack, who's had, you know, age and mileage problems. And, you know, the funny thing is I saw some, cons- uh, you know, some people uh, talking about whether Pierce can be a pass protector and all that. We saw Marlon Mack whiff on a block with Davis Mills still in the game in the third quarter uh, in that preseason game on Thursday. I, wh- why does Mack have any, any, uh, any power over him, I guess, for that? I, I don't think he does. I don't think he does. And you also have to take into account team context. I mean, this is as close to a like traditional rebuild, I guess, as you'll find in the NFL. You don't see it as often as you do in other sports where mm-hmm. you know, teams are kind of willing to clean house and save money and build up. Um, you know, in the NFL, there's, there's so much variance and you know, there's a, a bigger em- emphasis uh, on sustainability that, um, you know, like if you're comparing them, especially to guys like Marlon Mack and Rex Burkhead, like what motivation is there if you're the Houston Texans to force feed either of those guys. I mean, you want to, you right. want to be developing uh, Damian Pierce as, as your RB one of the future, right. And, and a guy that you didn't have to invest a first, second, or even third round draft pick in. So you're getting that guy at an ultra low cost, you know, for the next four or five years. Yeah, that's right. Uh, asked about his hands. Um, you know, they didn't show a whole lot of him in the passing game. That's the one thing I wanted to see a little bit more of that. I don't recall seeing any sort of uh I don't recall him seeing any sort of targets. Uh, I, correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't. I don't remember seeing any of those. So, not a ton. No, I think it's still it's points unknown. Yeah, yeah, a little concerning for fantasy for sure. Uh, I mean, if he's if he's not really involved at all in the passing game, I mean, like you said, no targets in their in their latest preseason game against San Francisco. If he's not really involved at all, that's a problem. I mean, if he if he's just even on the low end, like at least giving you something, you know, one to two catches right. a game, like that's fine. But yeah, if he, if he's strictly a, like can't catch the ball right now at, at this point in his career type of running back um, that that's certainly going to be a problem uh, given where he's being drafted, looking at his college numbers, right. not, not a ton to, to, to glean from there. Um, you know, played at Florida competitive situation and you know, multiple running backs on those teams, but only at 19 catches as a senior, 17 catches as a junior did get in the end zone four times, but uh, not, not like high target numbers there either. Right. Well, the thing is he was sharing the workload at Florida. Exactly. He wasn't like a bell cow back there, which is interesting. And so it's weird to see him maybe being the getting projected to get more work as a pro than he did in college. But yeah. you know, that's sometimes that, that that's sometimes that's them's the breaks a little bit there, but yeah. Uh, you know, it, it's something to watch for there, but uh, you know, it, it's, you know, it, it, we'll see how much. I mean, when it's when it's Rex Burkhead and Marlon Mack are your your is your competition, you got to have uh, a little bit more. Uh, uh, you know, you have to keep an open mind about that here. Uh, you know, Julia was asking which coach showed you creativity in the preseason. I'll tell you who. who I, I think teams purposely don't show a whole lot of anything. Um, I think that's by design. Look at the Niners; they did play their preseason their their starters uh, in in the preseason game uh, against the Texans on Thursday night, but there was like. George Kittle after the game was making great pains to say that they were being very vanilla with their game plan. You didn't see a whole lot of running with Trey Lance. Mm-hmm. I mean, you and I have expressed our reservations about Lance on this podcast before. Uh, so we're, you know, have some you know reservations about that. And the fact is they, they get shut out. They did get shut out by the Texans, but 
Maybe they weren't showing a whole lot. They weren't using their secret sauce. Yeah, I think that's pretty likely. I mean, we saw Lance for a couple couple series to begin this game. He goes seven for 11, uh, only 49 yards. It, it did mm-hmm. look like they were going through the motions in some ways. Obviously, you know, I think the biggest thing is you're not you're just not going to see Trey Lance as involved as a runner in the preseason yeah. as, as I will during the regular season. That's that's one thing where it's it's maybe 25%. You don't want to put it on tape. 75%. We're not getting this guy injured, you know, running around in a meaningless preseason game. So with, with Lance, I think if you're a Niners fan, you're a little down on, on how that offense looked um, on, on Thursday night. I think that's what I would tell myself is like, why, right. why would we get this guy? The, the main reason that we're switching over to this guy is because we think he could be one of the three best running quarterbacks in the league. But why would we show that in the preseason? So for right. me, it's kind of a, just kind of a wash with Lance for this game. Um, you know, I, I remain skeptical, but I'm also very much willing to admit that there, there's there's plenty of worlds in which this turns out really well. And, you know, the dynamic uh, you know ability that he offers this offense going from it's one thing too, like going from like one of the least mobile quarterbacks in the entire league in Garoppolo to one of the three or four most mobile. Um, right. I'm, I'm willing to admit there's a, a pretty decent chance that this goes really well. And the 49ers, they're one of those teams that, you know, you, you kind of trust them to get it right. Right. I mean, they've, they've, mm-hmm. they've earned that trust, I think, with a lot of their personnel moves. Yep. One guy uh, that stood out to me was Jeff Wilson. I think he's the clear top backup to Eli Mitchell. Mitchell came back to practice this weekend. So he had missed all the preseason with a a soft tissue injury, which later became a hamstring. Uh, But it sounds like he's going to be ready for the start of the regular season. Obviously, there's always concerns about his health. Um, There's always some reservations. So you can always kind of like pump the brakes maybe just a little bit on him. But, uh, you know, I I like rostering Wilson. I think he's a guy that could get some run at some point. Yeah, I mean, he's another guy whose health you always kind of have to worry about as well uh, as as Eli Mitchell. So, you know, what the split is between those guys will be interesting. And then also, like, you know, what how, how much is Debo Samuel ultimately involved? You know, does he kind of go back to almost full time receiver? You know, mm-hmm. he's expressed he's expressed concerns uh, about you know just like the punishment that you take. Uh, you know, essentially playing running back in this league. I, I think if if Mitchell and Wilson are healthy, that that reduces the need to use Debo in that role, but. I mean, he, he's so good at it. He's so fun to watch. I mean, it, it, it jumps off the tape every time you watch it that, like, he, he's still going to be involved at some point. But do, do you think they truly make an effort to dramatically scale back how often he's carrying the ball? No, I don't. I think he gets a lot of it still, and, and more so because they're trying to help Lance out. I think they purposely didn't show anything during the preseason with that, uh, as far as that goes. Uh, you know, and I, even though I am skeptical about Lance this year, I, I want to caution that I don't want to read too much into just like Thursday's game. I mean, if you recall, uh, you probably and you probably don't because you're not dyed in the wool Bengals fan like I am. But when Andy Dalton took over his first year as a rookie, they got beat into submission in the in the preseason. Like Adamica mm-hmm. Sue almost broke him in two. Uh, yeah. It was first year for Dalton, first year for AJ Green. Carson Palmer was gone; didn't want to play for them ever again. Everyone said, "Oh, the Bengals—they're going to be—they're his- not just bad; they're going to be historically bad. They could go one and fifteen. Uh, well, they made the playoffs that year. Um, they made it to the wild card. So, you know, as bad as a team can look in the preseason, it may be mean no, mean nothing. And this is a New England Patriots comment uh, because the Patriots have looked awful, just terrible. Yeah. The Raiders defense just was push, pushing around both in joint practices and then in the preseason game where the Raiders use their second and third team defense against the Pats first team offense. And, you know, they were the dominant force in that one. Yeah, I mean, the I think the, the clip that went around most this weekend was that just horrendous Mac Jones interception with you know, threw it directly to a yeah. linebacker. If you if you pause the tape, there's one New England receiver standing behind the linebacker, and then five more Raiders defenders that are all in frame. Uh, I mean, it was it, it's just one of those that makes you wonder what was going through his head. And you know, I'm not I'm not necessarily worried about Mac Jones just because he looked so good for most of last season. It's hard to imagine him stumbling backwards, but. I don't know. I mean, like it's, it's too soon, I guess, you know, to, to start questioning Bill Belichick, but I mean, it's, if it was any other coach, I I think there'd be a lot more public questioning of like, what's going on with this offense. You have like no coordinator, your, your former journeyman defensive coordinator is now back to kind of half run the offense. And, and because it's New England, everybody's like, well, it'll work out. You got to trust Belichick and look, he's earned that benefit of the doubt for sure. But if it was anyone else, I think we'd be panicking. Right. I I was right. between the XM show and this pod, I, I listened to Warren Sharp on the Bill Simmons podcast, and they spent the first like 20 minutes just talking about all the ways that you can bet against the New England Patriots this year and likely profit. Because the only argument for the Patriots right now is 
Bill Belichick is Bill Belichick and he's going to figure it out. Everything else has just looked terrible so far. Yeah. You mean you're not, you're not buying into Matt Patricia and Joe judge co-calling plays on the offense. I'm not, I believe it or not. I am not (laughs) buying into the Matt Patricia who washed out as one of like the worst uh, coaching hires of all time, a defensive coach. Now we'll, we'll just throw him on offense and see what happens. I mean, it, beside that too, it's just not a good roster, right? It's not like they, they spent all this money in free agency last year. And you know, some of those signings on, on the defensive side of the ball worked out. Okay. But you know, a lot of the money that you're paying to these just like average to below average skill position players, like that's part of the reason that you can't retain someone like JC Jackson. Yeah, uh, exactly. I, I, it feels in ways sometimes like they're, like they're so eager to prove that it wasn't just Brady, why they won. And we're going to yes. just show you, we're going to show you all these brilliant genius moves. Johnu Smith, ah, really? Then never use him. That, that one, I mean, I, I loved it at the time. I was thinking like, all right, you're surrounding this rookie quarterback. You're going to give him a great safety valve in Johnu mm-hmm. Smith. You know, you got this other young, high upside tight end and Hunter Henry. Uh, like on paper, I actually really liked it a lot. I, you know, the Judon edition worked out really well for them last year. So you got to give them props for that. But sure, yeah, I mean, the, they, they've really misread the market, I think, in some ways. And like, you know, the Jaguars took a lot of heat for, for all the, the signings that they made. Um, you know, to round out their receiving core and including Evan Ingram at tight end, it feels like New England did almost the same thing. You know, like they've just yeah. built this, they built this stable of number three receivers and I don't know who's going to emerge. You know, it's Parker, Myers, Bourne, Aguilar, like that, that pretty closely mirrors Christian Kirk, Chris Conley, you know, Evan Ingram, all those guys. Like I, I just think if they weren't, if, if you remove the logos and the names and just, just looked at things objectively, I don't think the Patriots are, are nearly talked about in the same breath as they are right now. Yeah, I think you're right about that. Um, I, I think that, uh, I mean, I, I actually like the Smith and Hunter Henry signings when they happened last year. Yeah. So, But at the wide re- wide receiver spot, you know, they're, they're clearly like secondary tertiary options uh, that they're trying to push into starters. I mean, Devontae Parker, I mean, at one point pre-injury in his life, we, we expected maybe some big things out of him. But he was clearly second to Waddle, and then they brought in Tyreek Hill, and, you know, there's there's no history. I mean, there was no chance there. Uh I don't see him as as a lead ace receiver in this in today's game. I just don't. Um, I would bet it. You know, Julia is asking, would we bet on them making it back to the playoffs again? I'd bet against it. Uh, I, I would go the other way if I'm going to bet at all. I may not. I may just choose no action. Yeah. Uh, but it's tough. I mean, the AFC is so deep that that that's part of it too. You know, there's there's a lot of. It, it, to me, it depends like what happens in the AFC West. Mm-hmm. If those teams all beat each other up and maybe open the door, you know, maybe only two teams out of the AFC West make it, uh, you know, that maybe opens the door for another division. But the other factor here is, um, you know, the Miami Dolphins are, are, you know, they project to be better as well. I mean, they have better yeah. odds. They have better odds to finish second in, in the division than the Patriots do. So, the, I mean, the betting markets look at New England as the third best team in this division. Um, I, I'm trying to find out if there's just a yes, no playoffs bet. Uh, for for the New England Patriots, which if so, I, I think I'd be with you. I, I, as of right now, I, I would say that they're more likely to miss the playoffs than make it. Yeah. So in that case, you should probably look at their totals and bet the bet the under. Yeah, I, I'm I'm totally on board with that. Um, looking at their regular season win total, it is it's eight and a half, um, and it's it's juiced to the over right now, minus one twenty to the over, plus one hundred under eight and eight and a half. I mean, the thing is. I almost like them to like get to nine wins and miss the playoffs. If if, that, if you can make a case for that, like I don't right. think they're going to be a terrible team. I'm not saying New England's going to come out and go like five and twelve here. I, I still think they'll be. There's a baseline level of competency that you are, are always going to have under Bill Belichick, but it, it does feel like they've been passed up by like half of the AFC. Yeah, it does. It really does. Uh, so yeah, we'll see. Uh, one other winner and loser. Uh, I want to talk a little bit about Mike Gesicki. Uh It feels like we've talked about him on the podcast before but man he just it, it's so funny there there's talk about waller getting a, a contract extension someone mentioned gasicki might then too i think mm-hmm. one of these things are not like the other uh which one would it be but uh i he, there's all this talk about gasicki not being able to pick up the offense having to block more not getting targets in practice uh i couldn't be more down on him i i any I, any exposure i already have to him that's enough for me i i I'm happy to be wrong and no, but I, by the time I'm wrong, I might have already cut him in the Vegas league. Unless he does something in week one, I'm probably, he's probably a cut. Uh, and I have to relook at that roster. We've done it so long ago that mm-hmm. I don't know if uh, I'm going to even keep him. I may have to go pick up another uh, tight end at some point. 
Yeah, Jerry did a good job breaking down that situation uh, in his article on, on rotowire.com. Uh, it's week three recap, fantasy winners and losers. Uh, he's got notes on pretty much every team uh, that played in week three of the preseason. And, you know, he noted that, yeah, Gusecki was out there to start, but, you know, the Dolphins had two tight ends on their first drive. He was one of them. And then beyond that, he was kind of rotating. It was a, a mix of Gusecki, Durham Smythe, and, and then Seathan Carter also getting in that mix as well. So, yeah, I don't think we're looking at a situation where like Kaseki's going to completely fall out of favor, but you know, in this offense, like you need him to basically be the number one tight end. Like he can't, he can't be in a two or three man rotation and be expected to return that kind of value. Yeah. Because you know, unlike other uh, positions, there aren't 32 tight ends of value. There's probably about 20 um, and he's getting closer to 20 than he is to 10. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. At this point, for sure. Um, you know, I mean, I, I, trying to look at tight end ADP right now. I mean, he's, he's at 16 uh, at this point. And the guys below him are Higby, Njoku, Engram, Fant, uh, Austin Hooper, Gerald Everett, Tunyon. So he can only fall so far, I guess. But uh, for, for me, he's for sure in that 15 to 20 range as opposed to 10 to 15. Yeah. I, I, yeah. I, I'd agree with that. Like I, you know, I think Hunter Henry and Albert O are the two guys immediately above him, and Irv mm-hmm. Smith will throw him in that pot too. And those three I, I all of you comfortably ahead of Gasicki. Alberto maybe, uh, you know, ha- has some reservations about him because you know he might be losing time to the rookie Dolchitz. Uh, but you know, at the same time, I'm, I'd rather have Higby than Gasicki. I think I'd rather have Najoku and even Dropsy Evan Ingram. Uh, Evan Ingram might be where I draw the line. Uh, yeah, I, I, I just. The combination of Evan Ingram being himself and playing for the Jacksonville Jaguars, that, that might be too much for him to overcome. Might be too much for the internet to overcome, yeah. even for that matter. So uh, yeah, I can't sign yeah. myself up for that. Any other winners and losers that you want to talk about? Well, not too much. I mean, we, I, obviously my first thought always goes back to, to the Jaguars, uh, who really played no starters. We saw nothing of consequence, not even Trevor Lawrence um, in their finale. Um, yeah, I, I, th- I think, you know, we do need to keep monitoring this Ram situation. I not just opened that page. Matthew That's Stafford. so funny. Yeah. yeah, right. We're on the same page here. Not, not only with Matthew Stafford's elbow, but, you know, I feel like we haven't touched on Van Jefferson in a while. We still have no idea uh, if he's going to play in week one. I mean, Lance McCutcheon was, was kind of the guy that's blown up for them a little bit in the preseason. But, you know, Ben Skoranek, you know, it, it, as long as Stafford looks like Stafford and if Van Jefferson misses a few weeks to begin the year, I, I do think there's room for a third receiver in that offense. And I, I'm not super excited about Tyler Higby at tight end, uh, absorbing many of those targets. Yep. Uh, I'd agree. Uh, and I want to talk cam acres, but before we do that, we'll do rapid fire news reactions after this. One other uh, note, uh, daily fancy football fans, your dreams are about to come true. Tired of the same old player drafts and salary caps, sick of losing to the sharks and their little spreadsheets fed up with always playing against the house. Well, the solution is here. H-O-F-R, Hall of Fame, I, I think that stands for Hall of Fame, H-O-F-R, Daily Fantasy Sports. That's H-O-F-R for H-O-F-R, uh, or for Hall of Famer. I get it now. I'm a little slow. This is why you do the reads ahead of time. On Hall of Famer, contests are always on your terms. Only fans create the contest and write the questions on Hall of Famer. Not only that, but they set the terms, too, including the entry fee, number of players, prizes, and more. With over 12 different simple multiple-choice gameplays, every fan can play and win their own way. So let your let your sports imagination run wild and rake in some serious dough in the process. Play for as low as $1 and bank up to a $50 bonus with your first deposit. Plus, earn $10 with every friend you refer. Make your name known in the fantasy sports world on the largest growing peer-to-peer sports marketplace. Download Hall of Famer. Again, that's H-O-F-R. Today, it's the most versatile way to play. All right, Nick, you ready to do some rapid fire on the news? Let's get to it. Cam Akers hasn't reached the point where he can do a full speed workout. He made great, and Sean Akers, uh, uh, Sean McVay, sorry, Sean McVay made great pains to point out that Darrell Henderson is ahead of Akers at this point in time. Where are you on these two running backs? I haven't really found myself getting getting pieces of either. Thankfully, because this just seems like it's, it's going to be a mess and very well could be a mess for much of the season. Um, you know, I, I think at cost, Henderson is the guy I'm much more comfortable landing, uh, although it is worth noting. I, I think we should have another uh, Acres update on the site pretty shortly. Both Acres and Henderson out in full uniform at practice, uh, right? As of you know Monday afternoon, 
uh, for Good. the LA Rams. So it looks like, you know, maybe we're moving in the right direction uh, for both of those guys. But I, I think Akers and Henderson, we, we keep talking about as one of those ADP spreads that's just way too large given the situation. Yep. Uh, I, I think so too. And I, I, I've been fading Akers everywhere. J.K. Dobbins, still uncertain for the season opener. Pushing him down, leaving him the same. Pushing him down a little bit. Um, I, I do I do really think there's pretty significant upside here. I, I know, you know, the, the Ravens have kind of by default had to go back by committee the last few years just, just based on all these injuries and whatnot. But Dobbins, I think, is the guy who they want to be the guy if he can stay healthy. Now, you know, if he, if he were to miss some time to begin the year, maybe that makes it an uphill battle to, to get to that role. But, yeah, I mean, I, you know, we, we talked about like Dobbins versus Pierce. They're separated by about a round right now. Like to me, it's like maybe just if you're picking at like 55, grab a receiver there, grab a tight end there, and, and maybe just hope you can get Pierce in the next round. Miles Sanders still not practicing. Uh, been about two weeks of practice now with this hamstring injury. How low does he go? That's a good question. I mean, there, there's a lot of people I think who are pretty low on Miles Sanders, regardless whether it's a belief in, in Kenneth Gainwell or it's just a, you know, how does this guy not get in the end zone more? And, and you know, this is just kind of uh, feeding that fire. I mean, he's already down to, to RB 35. He's in danger of falling out uh, of the top 100 picks. But to me, it, it also feels like he's he's kind of about to hit that baseline, right? Where mm-hmm. I mean, like, Gainwell's only going like 25 picks behind him. And, you know, if, he, if he's going to fall any further in the running back hierarchy, that means like, are you going to start taking Cordero Patterson over him? Like, I don't think I would do that. Uh, are you going to start taking Naheem Hines, Michael Carter, Kenneth Walker over him? So to me, I think he's one of those guys who I understand why he's falling, but I don't really think he can fall that much further. If you get shut out on your RB2, let's say, or, 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 or we'll even, we can even stipulate that's RB3. You're looking for a running back. You need to find someone that's RB, we'll just say RB30, 30, we'll say RB30 or, you know, after Antonio Gibson. So RB31 or lower, who's your target? RB31 or lower. I I mean, Rashad Penny is RB32 from what I'm seeing. I, I yep. still like Rashad Penny quite a bit. I do too. Um, I, I, I think, especially if, if Seattle ends up just being super inconsistent at quarterback. I mean, we already saw them kind of go full on leaning into Rashad Penny at the end of last season to, to great success. So uh, Penny is probably the guy there. I mean, whoever emerges of, of Harris versus Ramadre Stevenson, um, you know, I, I still think you, you still see a lot of people say, that they favor Harris. Um, I, I think the talent backs that up, obviously had a ton of touchdowns last year. Mm-hmm. And I, I do have James Cook. I mean, early in draft season, that was a guy, he was kind of my favorite, you know, one of the final round pickups. Um, and I, I still think that there's a pretty good chance that James Cook, as the season goes on, at least, uh, emerges in a much bigger role, but maybe not a guy you can use early on. Yeah. Uh, you know, I think, you know, Clipboard Jesus suggests Hines and Pollard as two targets for him there. I think those are both worthy uh, ideas mm-hmm. as well. Uh Drake London, still not practicing. Reaction? Concerns? Well, I mean, it's, it's a little concerning. I, I have not, I myself have not really done any Drake London investing just because I'm, you know, skeptical of that Atlanta passing game, skeptical of where he fits in next to Pitts. Uh, but yeah, I mean, this is, if you're asking what the, the level of concern is, it's got to be fairly high, right? I mean, he, he got hurt in that first preseason game, obviously didn't play in preseason game two or three, which for, for a rookie, that's a big deal. I mean, you, you need those those kind of yeah, reps. So absolutely. even if he's ready for week one, I mean, he'll be coming in pretty cold. I mean, basically a, a month you know between games uh, for your NFL debut. So uh, I, I worry about Drake London. I, I think I would take Chris Olave over him. They're separated by about a round right now. I, I understand the argument for each, um, but this this just gives me further reason to, to kind of stay away from Drake London. He's the guy that uh, I always say, like, I'm, I'm happy to be a year late instead of paying up for certain guys. And, yeah. you know, I hope he does well. I think the Falcons you know, could be a, a, a fun, bad team in some ways. But this just gives me more reason to, to kind of stay away. And it makes me worry, n- nervous about the whole Atlanta offense, though, too. You take hit that element away from that offense. I mean, it, yeah. you've got to have some receiver on the outside that threatens. And if London's not there, ugh. Just it just makes it ugly. It makes it worse for Pitts, in my opinion. Not better. I, I, yeah, I mean, Kaderil Hodge could open the season as as a starter for Week One. Uh, I mean, that's that's what what kind of dire straits we're yeah. looking at here. And I, I know we you know, like there's no reason to talk about Calvin Ridley because he's not eligible to play. But this Falcons team would be a hell of a lot more interesting if if he was available. And you could go you know Ridley London Pitts 
it's not like that makes that turns them into a playoff team, but at, at least those, those are three really exciting skill. Players. You could dream on that for the future. And if Ritter pans out this year, great. If not, then they've also mm-hmm. got an early pick next year at quarterback. You can kind of look ahead and say, Oh, that could really work. That would be interesting. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's Drake London or Traylon Burks. Ooh, this feels like a trick question. I, I think I would go Traylon Burks. I Drake think London I or George Pickens. Oh boy. Man, uh, if, if we're talking at cost, I'll go and just this year. And I'm assuming cost is going to go down on London, you know? Yeah. You, yeah. I mean, right now they're separated by almost like three full rounds. So yeah, I'll, I'll go Pickens even just for this year. I'll go Pickens. Although, but Pickens is skyrocketing too. So he's, he's kind of like, he's going up and London's going down one more Drake London or sky more. Sky more. Guy more. I, I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm going to side with the guy who has Patrick Mahomes over the guy who has Marcus Mariota. I would have gone London before any of those guys, just slightly behind Alave for me. Alave was always my number one, but London was number two with the bullet. And now I'm, I'm super confused. So, you know, I'm going to back off that one for season long. I'll let somebody else figure that out because there's like we just mentioned all those possibilities. Those are just of rookies and obviously you don't not re- have to be uh, contained to just that. Uh, any other News items you want to hit before we sign off for today? Not too much. Not too much. I mean, it was a mix this weekend of some teams like Pittsburgh throwing their like entire first team out there. Some teams like Jacksonville pulling back. Um, it, it's really hard to get a read on how teams handle the preseason now. Like with the old, the old four game format, you kind of knew what to expect. You're like, all right, mm-hmm. this is the game where you play all the third stringers. This is a game where maybe your first team offense plays the first quarter. Now it's all over the map. I mean, we see, we see coaches on you know both far ends of the spectrum, uh, but now we we now go into like a week and a half of just refreshing every single day to see if all like there's so many players who are hopeful for week one. Uh, right. And week one is approaching. So at, at some point we're going to need to get some clarity. Yeah. I mean, you get like teams like the Bengals and Rams that didn't play their stars the entire preseason now. I right. mean, it's it's crazy. And and Zach Taylor is a former Rams assistant, so it shouldn't be that surprising. They follow their lead on that one there. All right. Big thanks to everyone jumping in in the chat room with us here. Everyone for listening to the Rotowire Fantasy Football Podcast. Uh, go ahead and smash uh, that that subscribe button so you can get notice of all the podcasts or when you're up on YouTube and you can join us in the live stream. If you want to get check out Rotowire, you're not already a subscriber, go to rotowire.com slash try. Otherwise, thank you again for listening. We got uh, Joe and Jake with us again tomorrow. Take care. Try Rotowire today, free for 10 days. Get our premium tools, rankings, analysis, and breaking news alerts. No credit card required. Go to rotowire.com forward slash try. It's happening daily. We're being conned by the institutions we used to trust. The mainstream media is distracting us with meaningless headlines instead of focusing on the harsh realities facing American families. Time is short before something big happens, and that's why so many folks are preparing. They're becoming self-reliant by investing in emergency food storage from My Patriot Supply. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure four-week emergency food kits for each member of your family. Each kit contains tasty breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Save $50 on each four-week food kit you purchase. Plus, get free shipping on Ready Hour four-week emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour foods. At My Patriot Supply, you can also get solar power generators, water filtration units, heirloom seeds, and survival gear. Order by 3 p.m., and your unmarked boxes ship the same day. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com.